It's unnecessary roughness. It's not really about making a name. It's really about trying to go out there and do your job. And who's disciplined enough to do it? As many plays as they're out there. I don't want 11 guys going out there as independent contractors trying to light up the scoreboard. That's not really the way to play football, you know. So you got to trust the other guys around you, and you got to do your part. This will be our first opportunity to see that. I'd say as a whole, with all three faces. This is unnecessary roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. I like to call it Studio Q. And, of course, Unnecessary Roughness is brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. You can check them out at thejewelers.com. We're expecting to have David Lombardi from The Athletics sometime this hour. I'm not too sure. I think he's recording uh, a podcast right now, so he'll join us sometime this hour to talk all things 49ers, which is good. Not not worried about uh, but about him. I know he'll join us, like I said, sometime this hour. we got a lot to get to. got plenty of calls, plenty of texts, plus we have plenty of sound that I want to get to. So let's go ahead and do that. All right, let's kick off hour number three of the show by hearing from head coach Josh McDaniels. Again, uh, the question that I threw out there on the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Actually, I threw a couple of them out there. What do you want to see on Sunday in preseason game number one? And then also, since it's alumni weekend, if you could sit down and talk shop with one former Raider, who would it be? Real quick, before we get to some sound from Josh McDaniels, I mentioned Kirk Morrison earlier, and Kirk Morrison works for ESPN. I've been friends with Kirk for a very long time. I mean, this is going back to when I was actually in Monterey, and uh, I was working at uh, Jammin' 97, 97.9. Yeah, Jammin' 97.9 hip-hop station, and, and uh, I went to Lamont Jordan's 30th birthday party. We all remember Lamont Jordan, right, when he was a running back for the Raiders. Went there, and that's where I met Kirk, and we've been cool ever since, but – you know, come full circle, it was about, I want to say like a month, no, it was more than a month ago. It was a couple months ago, but me and Kirk actually did a weekend show on ESPN together, and it was just the craziest thing because I've always looked up to him as a player, him and Thomas Howard, man, those were, the, those were my dudes, right, the linebacker position, man. I always knew there was a chance for a takeaway if those guys were on the field. So I go from meeting him at Lamont Jordan's 30th birthday party, keeping in touch with him here and there, you know, seeing him around and talking to him, chopping it up with him, sitting with his dad at the Coliseum, watching the games going on to, you know, both of us being in the media. I'm having him on my show a couple times here and there, talking Raiders, whatever the case may be, to all of a sudden to the point that we're co-hosting a show together. It was so wild that, you know, we were able to do that. And so going back to the question of who you could sit down and talk shop with, that was so much fun and so entertaining just to know that a guy that I've always looked up to and respected in Kirk Morrison, all of a sudden I'm sitting down doing a radio show with, right? Just me and him. Just like, you know, a couple of years ago for the draft, me, JT, Kirk, and, and Eric Allen were all in the Raiders podcast studio, and we were talking, talking all things draft. Like, that was fun, too, because Eric Allen and Kirk are, are guys that I always looked up to. And EA, anytime I get a chance to, to do any show with him, it's so much fun. But just to come full circle and know these are guys that I went to the Coliseum to watch, and now all of a sudden I'm, you know, not, I don't, not even saying rubbing shoulders with, but just doing radio shows together or podcasts, whatever the case may be, like, that's just what we do. It's really cool. Really cool. Uh, I think David is uh, is good to go. Go ahead and uh, feel free to, to hit him back. He just he just sent me a text and said he just finished. Uh, he said he can go whenever. So we're going to get David Lombardi uh, from The Athletic to talk all things 49ers in just a couple seconds here. That's how we do it. Uh, that's how we do it on, on the radio live. So that's how we get down. 69187, keyword R&R. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. 
Uh, what do you want to see from the Raiders on Sunday in preseason game number one? And since it's alumni weekend, if you could sit down and talk shop with one former Raider, who would it be? So my man Ari, who's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, is efforting right now to get David. And I think that we are about to get him now. <laughs> Thumbs up. Th thumbs up from my man Ari, doing a fantastic job. And joining us now on the phone lines, as mentioned, is David Lombardi from The Athletic. And, David, thanks so much for your time, my man. I do appreciate you making some time for us this afternoon. And you've been out at practice the last two days. You saw just what I saw. When you made your way to Vegas and, and, and knew that you were going to go to these joint practices, what were your expectations to see, and is it similar to what you've seen? I expected it to be hot, and it was today, but it wasn't yesterday, so that was nice. Right. Uh, no, but it, it, in all seriousness, I, I expected to see two competitive practices. I covered Jimmy Garoppolo his entire time with the 49ers. I know he's a good quarterback. I, I, I know that he knows the 49ers defense. I saw some great back-and-forth battles over the years between him and a 49ers defense that uh, improved a lot over his, his time there at 49ers practice. So I figured that we'd see more of that. We, I think that we did see that. I think that we saw a couple skirmishes, not all-out fights, but it was hot. It was competitive. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of a parallel thing going on with both of the quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo's coming off of a foot injury that he suffered while he was quarterback with the 49ers, and that opened the door for Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy right now is coming off of an elbow injury that he suffered last year. So both QBs trying to iron things out, find their full rhythms in training camp uh, after not uh, participating in the off-season program. So I saw both of those things happen. Uh, the Raiders' defense, to me, uh, played really well. I saw a lot of interceptions from the Raiders' defense, especially today. I think six total interceptions. That's an issue the 49ers are going to have to clean up, but I don't think anybody is worried or panicking about it on their side. I just think that everybody wanted uh, good competitive practices between two teams, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it might have gotten a little too competitive on the first play today when Charvarius Ward just blew up uh, Devontae Adams, and I think Devontae's hurt. So hopefully he'll be okay. Uh, but otherwise, it seemed like two good days of work for those teams. Yeah, it really did. And, and yeah, you make that note on Devontae. It was, it was interesting. I, I think that, well, from head coach Josh McDaniels, sounds like he doesn't think it's too bad. But, again, until we really know, we don't really know. And you know how it is when coaches tell you about injuries. So how much work do you think that these two teams got from each other? Because, like you said, it, to me, it seemed like it was very competitive the last couple of days. Yeah, it absolutely was. And, you know, I, well, I love to watch the one-on-ones between offensive and defensive line. And, I, you know, I was keeping an eye on the 49ers right tackle, Colton McKivitz, because he's going to be a first-time starter this year, or, you know, first-time first-stringer. He's spot started before. And I wanted to see how he handled Chandler Jones and how he handled Max Crosby. And they, they beat him a couple times, but then there was one rep later on on Thursday where McKivitz actually was able to keep – Crosby at bay, which I thought was, mm -hmm. was a big step in the right direction. And what I really noticed after that was that Crosby and McKibbitt were talking, sharing information, and then, you know, just to put icing on the cake, Trent Williams and Crosby started talking, and those are two of the best in the game. Crosby all pro, Trent Williams all pro, Trent Williams on his way to the Hall of Fame, certainly, uh, after his career ends. So you heard both of those guys talk about each other with such great respect and they talk about just wanting to improve one percent because when you're that good you can only improve one percent right you're right. not going to have a 20 percent um improvement in performance and the way to do it is to pick the brains of, of the best guys that you're going to be going up against the nfl and for trent williams 
that's somebody like Max Crosby, and for Max Crosby, that's somebody like Trent Williams. So it was a great opportunity for those two players to, to talk shop and then and work on stuff against each other. You mentioned Trent Williams is going to go to the Hall of Fame when he decides to hang it up. Is he ever going to hang it up? I think he could play forever. It just seems like he – I mean, he looks so smooth out there. Like, what's the, what's the key to him being so successful and so smooth and looks like he's never panicked and never concerned or worried? Well, he's freakishly athletic. I mean, the, the guy that helps. is, what, 310 or 320 pounds, and he could just hop over a hurdle uh, without a running start to, to, to give you an idea of, uh, you know, what you're dealing with with Trent Williams. So he's a special talent athletically, one of the most, one of the most athletic linemen to ever play, if not the most athletic lineman to ever play when you look at some of the stuff that he's been doing. But, too, you know, just getting to know Trent over the past couple of years, he's just such a cerebral student of the game. And it's awesome. Uh, to give you a look into the 49ers locker room, I know Nick Bosa's not there right now. He's been holding out. But after every single game, I walk into the locker room, and even in visiting locker rooms where Bosa and Williams have stalls on the opposite side of the room or even in different rooms because sometimes it's set up that way in the visiting locker room, Nick Bosa will walk over to Trent Williams' locker, pull up a chair, and they'll just be sitting there talking shop about the game, about, you know, different you know, small nuances uh, with each other at their lockers. And there's a reason why Nick Bosa comes over to Trent Williams' side of the room because, you know, he's like the godfather of information there. You, you want to be able to pick his brain because he understands the game at such an intelligent level. And that's the thing. You know, some players are smart, but they're not, uh, you know, more physically gifted than everybody. They're just average athletically. And those are going to be good players. And then, You've got the players who are good athletes, but they, they may not be as smart, right? They may not be as good with the, the football IQ, is what you call it. And those guys might be okay players, but they're never going to be great. The, the rare player who has both, who is an absurd athlete and is also as smart as Trent Williams is, well, that, that's when you make a future Hall of Famer. And uh, that's why there's so much respect for him in the 49ers locker room. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's a lot of respect for him around the league because he's earned that. He is that dude. David Lombardi from The Athletic is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I had a question about Trey Lance because everyone's been asking me about Trey Lance. What have you seen from him? What do you think he is? And I keep saying, I don't know. I have no idea because, well, I haven't seen enough of him. What have you seen from Trey Lance? What, what kind of player is this guy at this point? I, you know, the, the issue with Trey Lance has been, and the 49ers knew this when they drafted him, but they just didn't count on the two injuries happening. It's kind of slowed the development. The issue is that he's a high-ceiling player, but he's also got a very low floor at the moment because he's so raw. He threw fewer passes if you combine his time from North Dakota State to the 49ers. He's thrown fewer passes in those several seasons than to, uh, combined than Tom Brady threw at age 45 last year. Wow. So there's just, I mean, yeah, there, there's such exceptional inexperience here. And Trey was very inaccurate over his first couple of years in the league in his spot duty because he was hurt so often. Uh, training camp, he was very inaccurate last year. This year, he's been much more accurate. He's reworked a lot of his mechanics. And, you know, I, I don't even want to say reworked. We, we could say maybe he's worked on those mechanics for the first time. And that's why the 49ers really did, you know, trade up so much to get him because they saw the they loved how he thought about the game they they liked where he went with the ball at north dakota state they loved the physical ability and they also saw the inexperience they said okay hey he might be a little inaccurate but but because he has so little experience 
he's still moldable clay. And he has made those strides as far as accuracy goes um, in training camp this year. And it's not just training camp. It was his work with Jeff Christians in this offseason to rework his mechanics. So that's where he's at right now. And I think he's entering a huge test on Sunday because it's going to be the first time that somebody can hit him since he's really put that mechanical work in, right? It's going to be his first live action. So we'll see if he can carry it over to then. If he can, uh, the 49ers have an excellent situation on their hands because they want as many good, competent quarterbacks as possible given what happened to them last year. Where is he in the pecking order? Is he the third? Is, I mean, from what I'm seeing, it looks like he was running with the third string. Is, is that current? Uh, is that accurate, or is, are they kind of flip-flopping? He's, yeah, they're 50-50 splitting okay, okay. the twos between Lance and, and Darnold. Purdy is on question one. Yeah. Lance and Darnold are fighting for two. Brandon Allen is the four. Okay. And the 49ers will figure it all out in about three weeks. Okay, that makes that makes sense. I was like, man, uh, what's really going on with Trey Lance? So uh, is that the biggest storyline, David, for you going into the game on Sunday is just what Trey Lance looks like, or is there anything else that you really got to focus in on? Well, I'm really curious about what Sam Donald's going to look like too. I mean, just like Trey Lance, Sam Donald is a former number three overall pick. True. You don't get picked third overall unless there is something really intriguing about your physical skill set, right? So we know that Trey Lance can run the football. We know he's got a big arm. We know that we know all about the rawness and how the 49ers are trying to develop him. Sam Donald's more polished. He's been in the league for a longer time. He had more throws in college. He came out of a big school in USC rather than FCS North Dakota State. But his journey has also led us to a place to where we're questioning, okay, can the 49ers squeeze the most value out of this number three pick? He finished solid for Carolina last season. He played, started those six games for the Panthers in a system that was – I think related to the 49ers system and how they try to set up yards after the catch, and we know the 49ers love to do that. Kyle Shanahan has long, long talked about coaching Sam Darnold. I mean, this is this is a, a guy that they looked at coming out of USC back in 2018. So I'm going to be watching Lance. I'm going to be watching Darnold. They should probably get roughly an equal share of snaps, and we'll see uh, who really starts to separate themselves in that QB2 battle. Final question for you, and it has to do with Jimmy G. What have you seen from Jimmy over the last couple of days, and does it start to look like Jimmy G that you were able to cover for so many years? I thought that he looked really good over the last two days. I saw the reports of all the interceptions he was throwing last week, and it just kind of made me chuckle because I mean, this is what happens in training camp, especially for a QB coming off of an injury. He threw a ton of them back in 2019 coming off of the ACL. Ended up having a good season. I mean, one thing that Garoppolo did try to work on over his time with the 49ers was avoiding interceptions at a reasonable rate. You're obviously always going to throw some if you're taking some chances. And he's a QB that does take a lot of chances over the middle of the field. He tries to squeeze the ball into some some tight windows. Uh, So the fact that he was able to to move the ball against the 49ers, throw into some of those windows while avoiding interceptions like he did last season when he had a very low INT rate, I thought was a step in the right direction. So I'm really familiar with his game. I'm not as familiar with how the start of his training camp went for the Raiders. But to me, Garoppolo did look sharp over the past two days. David Lombardi from The Athletic is with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I know you just recorded a podcast. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Oh, man, I'm always working on articles, podcasts. You know it. Um, I... 
what features am I working on right now? There's a lot in the pipeline. Uh, we're, we're on athletics, so obviously we're doing a lot of longer form stuff. Yep. But we're, we're really focused on the Lance and the Darnold and the Purdy stuff right now, obviously. And I'm um, going to have something big on the Niners defense. You can follow me for all the Nick Bosa news, too, because that's what they're waiting for right now. Right. There's no doubt about that. Well, uh, David's on Twitter, at Labardi himself, and with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. David, thanks so much, man. It was great uh, seeing you the last couple of days, and I uh, look forward to seeing you on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. Yep, thank you. All right, thank you. There he goes, David Lombardi from The Athletic. Fantastic stuff right there. So, okay, there you go. Trey Lance and, and Sam Darnold are in a little flip-flop type of thing. They're getting the 50-50 snaps and in that number two battle. So, there you go. There's a little bit of hope for Trey Lance, apparently, and still don't know exactly who he is. Just know he's a very athletic dude, and, and as David described right there, has a very high ceiling but he also has a very low floor, and it is very raw, very inexperienced. So good stuff right there from David. Definitely appreciate him. Some good stuff about Jimmy G and also some good stuff about the Raiders' defense coming up with interceptions and creating turnovers, playing the way that they play. Going to the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. This one's from Brad and Concord. This is a great but tough question. Choosing one former Raider to sit and talk with, talk with is mind-boggling. There are so many, but – my overall favorite is Howie. To sit down and talk with him, I'd have to say Romanowski. Uh, he is so interesting and intense, he could get us fired up just going to the bathroom. I'd love to feed off that just in general. His supplement line ain't too bad either. That's Brad and Concord. So Howie's his favorite, but Romanowski. And Romanowski is a guy that I've had an opportunity to interview many times, and uh, he, he'll fire you up. Uh, he loves unnecessary roughness. He loves that, that title of the show, right? He, he, told, he scared the mess out of my, my buddy or my co-host, Craig Smoke. He almost uh, scared him right out of his skin, right? Unnecessary roughness. All roughness is necessary. I loved it. I love this. So good, good stuff there, Brad. Definitely appreciate you chiming in today. Mailman Raider said, Q, I know there's a bunch of legends I should be picking, but I've got to go with beast mode because he seems like a fun cat, and he's just about that action, boss. And I'll be focusing on the depth at cornerback, especially Jacorian, assuming he plays, but even behind him, a meek and duke, et cetera. Uh, so there you go. That's Mailman Raider talking about beast mode. He talked to Marshawn Lynch, and that's, that's cool. I would, I would enjoy talking to Marshawn, but I don't think if I had to pick one guy that that would be the guy that I chose. I think that Marshawn's cool. I like his personality. But I don't think that I would get the conversation that I want to have because, well, he's not going to let loose and have that big conversation unless you're the homeboy, right? If you're the homie and you're just there on the block or just chilling or in, in a, you know just one of those settings or whatever like that, then I think you'll get the authentic conversation with Marshawn. But if it was just – you know, hey, Marshawn's in a in a bar area, and I'm gonna go in there and talk to him and sit down and and chop it up. Then I don't think that I don't think you'd get that great of a conversation. I think he would just kind of chill and relax, and you know, say not not say a whole lot as far as I'm concerned. But you never know; it could be a it could be a really good one. So, uh, good stuff, Mailman Raider. Thanks so much for the text. I do appreciate you. Let's go out to the phone lines. Talk to our good friend Bernard. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q, a couple, couple things real quick. Hopefully you're doing well, man. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, I know you say you don't gamble, man. Have you, you ever won, the, uh, the, uh, won anything in, like, lottery, lotto, or anything like that? Um, no. <laughs> hey, the, re- the reason I ask you that, man, because your your perspective is so unique, man, because, you know, you talk, I was a um, season ticket holder. I know you lived out in the Bay Area for a long time. And you, you you won the lottery, man. Doing what you do, that's that's how I feel, man. Because to hear you talk, and you don't you don't have a biased approach because you have a very educational um, approach to uh, inf- an informational approach to the Raiders, and your history goes so deep. 
So yo, the way you look at things, your perspective is so much different from all the, you know, from all the hosts. Not that they're not good too, but you you was in the stands and you seeing so much go on. So your insight is is just great, man. And, and when you was talking about, you know, you say you don't want to say rubbing shoulders, but you are. And and the, it do interviews with these guys that you watch play and stuff, man. I mean, I bet so many people are like, man, uh, you know, won the dang lottery, man. So, <laughs> and, and you're good at what you do too, man. So it, it's awesome, man. I'm I'm glad I found your show and you got your podcast man I, I i think i found it a couple of years ago man i, I listen to it like re- religiously now like, don't call in all the time but right and i just love love hearing you talk bro um Appreciate and dbs man that, that's my favorite position i yep. would want to sit down with charles man because it's just something about that dude man he just exude confidence he cool and he was good mm-hmm. and uh i think it just would be fun uh to hear him uh hear him talk about the game and you know, winning the Heisman Trophy as a defensive player is is often off um, is awesome. I don't think it's happened um, since he did it. Right. And it's uh, and just one more thing with Brock Purdy, man. Uh, just with them doing the joint practices, I don't I don't think we the Forty ers seen. I don't think we've seen enough of him for him to be anointed. He he got so many weapons uh, around him, and I just want to know like when they start losing defensive players or what have you, because all those good teams get purge right can he really carry a team like a like a franchise quarterback you know because sooner or later players around him are, are not going to be there that are good as they are and i to me i just yeah he won eight games as a starter but i don't know man i just wonder if he can he really carry a team if he lose a, a few playmakers for an extended amount of time with even with the play calling calling that shanahan have. So I, I think people are jumping the gun too quick. Like, oh, you can plug any quarterback in the Shanahan system, and they just gonna be, you know, they just gonna be a be a star. So I, I'm, I'm waiting to see. Yeah. Um, Q, keep up the good work, man. It's, it's awesome listening to you. And like I said, I know I'm speaking for for a lot of Raider fans out there. I appreciate you, Bernard. Thanks for the kind words, man. It's awesome. I do appreciate it. And, yeah, uh, that's why I say I'm blessed, man. When people call and ask how I'm doing, I always say I'm blessed, man, because I couldn't have dreamed of being in the position that I'm in uh, even, you know, a handful of years ago. I've been like, yeah, okay, it sounds good. And, uh, you know, but it, it's awesome. It is. It's it's a great experience. It's it's great to be able to do this and say this is what I'm doing for a living. And, you know, I mean, it's like, okay, this is my job. Great, cool. You know, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, so I definitely appreciate it. Uh, all the kind words. And, you know, when it comes to Brock Purdy, you know, in my adventures in the sports world, uh, you know, covering Brock Purdy when he was at Iowa State, when I was covering the Big 12 and I was in Central Texas, I thought he was a good quarterback. I really did. I thought he was really good in that Matt Campbell system. Uh, and he had David Montgomery. He had some nice uh, weapons around him as well. I don't think he's ever going to be a quarterback, Bernard, that's going to be flashy, right? He's not going to be that guy. He'll never be a quarterback that he could just carry the team on his own. But Similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion, if you put the right pieces around him, he could be very effective. And I mean a strong run game, a very good tight end, and some nice weapons on the outside. He can get it done. I mean, look, the thing about it is the league's not made up of elite quarterbacks. (laughs) The league is made up of good quarterbacks, a couple elite guys, and then some trash cans, right? And, And, well, because they're so needed, even trash cans get other jobs, right? Just because they're need, they're, they're, it's such a desperate position. That's the reality of it, right? You look at some guys, you're like, how does that guy still have a job? Well, because it's supply and demand, right? So I think that Brock is good. 
I really do. I didn't think he was going to come into the league and all of a sudden win all those games. Like, I'd be lying to you if I said that, uh, you know, especially after being Mr. Irrelevant. I'm actually – it's funny. I didn't think he would go as late as he did in the draft. I thought he was going to be drafted around the fifth or the sixth round. And I remember doing, you know, those pro football focus, the, the mock draft simulators that we all do and we can't help ourselves. I did a few of them, and I talked about them on the podcast. And one of my drafts, I had the Raiders pick in Brock Purdy, I think around five or six. I want to say I got like an A grade for it because it was a good selection at the time. And I thought he could be a developmental guy. You know, he could sit behind Carr and maybe learn. And, and, and who knows what happens after that. He ends up being maybe a starting quarterback or he could be a good backup. Well, obviously, the Raiders didn't get him. The 49ers did get him. They got him as the last pick of the draft, and he worked out pretty well. Now, if they need a guy, like Trey Lance is, is, is a dude who's uber-athletic. Like, when he rolls out, I'll tell you this, man. Watching him today, he's rolling out. You can see how athletic he is. The pressure's getting to him. You can see him scramble just a little bit. And I'm like, man. That's the that's the guy right there. But then I see him sail the ball over someone's head, and I was like, "Well, never mind." <laughs> right? I mean, but you can see where someone would be intrigued by him, but he just hasn't he hasn't shown enough. So that's why I think that the Niners are in a tough situation. They're they're let's put it like this: Brock Purdy is probably a, a really good Honda, and there's nothing wrong with a really good Honda, right? They're economical. They'll get you from point A to point B. You can count on them. You go outside, you don't think, "I hope this car starts up today." Like you know, it's going to pretty much start, right? And Trey Lance is that fancy car that, you know, is fancy. It has all the bells and whistles, but every once in a while it might not, you know, be too reliable, and then getting parts for it's really hard. <laughs> right? It's like, man, that car sure does look good. But man, the alternator went out. Where do you get an alternator from? I don't know. I don't even know where they made this damn thing at, right? I mean, it's like it's one of those. So it's tough. It's a tough call on, on Trey Lance. I'm so intrigued. That's why when David brought it up, he can't wait to see what he looks like on Sunday. First time he's able to get hit. I want to see. He might go in there and just flash, and everyone's like, oh, that's the guy. Or he might go in there and stink it up. So a lot of good stuff. But, Bernard, thanks for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. And as far as talking and sitting down with Seawood, how awesome is that, that he was the last guy to win the, the Heisman Trophy? And the thing about him winning the Heisman Trophy, remember who was in that competition with him? Remember who was going up against them? Peyton freaking Manning, right? Remember that? Like, think about this. Not only did Charles Woodson, as a two-way star, win the Heisman Trophy at, at Michigan, he beat Peyton Manning, who ever since Peyton Manning came out the womb was basically talked about as the next greatest thing ever, right? I mean, the Mannings have been talked about forever. Peyton Manning was that dude. Now, he didn't win a, a national title there in Tennessee. Shout out to T. Martin. But that's, I mean, that's still... Like, that blew my mind. I, I was pulling for Charles to win that Heisman, and I kept saying to myself, I'll set myself up for the downfall, right, for the letdown. I was like, man, I want him to win, but he's going up against Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's going to win it. And when Seawood won that thing, I was, whoa. But, of course, you know, the last defensive player to win it, but he also had the offensive skills. He played, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, he had the special teams return game as well. But, man, that, that was great. That was really good. And when the Raiders selected him, uh, I believe, what, number four overall in the draft, that was – I was good. I was at a hooping up competition when it happened. I remember. <laughs> I think my team won. I got a little inspired in that game. But, yeah, man, I, that, that, was, that was awesome. So, shout-out to my guy. Shout-out to C. Wood. He's also my favorite Raider of all time. So, there's that. 427 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, get to some calls, get to some texts. Plus, we got reason or excuse. It's all on the way. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Handoff Jacobs. That's the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! And Jacobs does it again. 7.52 to go in the second. A big spike, a big play, and the Raiders back in the game. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. My man Kevin in Connecticut said, Trey Lance is a Cadillac. Luxury cost and horrible resale value. And then he followed up and said, messing with you, Q. You know I love the caddy. It's true, though. <laughs> that was his words, not mine. I don't sign up for any kind of slander when it comes to Cadillac. Look, as soon as I say that, the wife goes running around the corner. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. You know, she, she always encouraged me to get a Tahoe. Why don't you just go get a Tahoe? I was like, uh, you get a Tahoe. I don't want no Tahoe. I a Cadillac. <laughs> so there's that. That's just me. Can't help. Blame blame Mama Q for that. That's her fault. That's what I always tell the wife, too. Oh, yeah, just just blame my mom. You know her number. Call her. <laughs> Call her and tell her. Call her and tell her your complaints. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, thank you for that, Kevin. I do appreciate you. Uh, you can keep those texts coming in, 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, ask her the question, what do you want to see on Sunday in preseason game number one? Plus, with it being alumni weekend, if you could sit down and talk shop with one former Raider, who would it be? Now, I did want to get to a few sounds from head coach Josh McDaniels before we get into reason or excuse. My man Ari will take over the wheels of steel and make everything do what it do. The first soundbite from head coach Josh McDaniels is what everybody had on their mind. Vinny Bonsignor asked the question about Devontae Adams leaving practice, and Hunter Refro wasn't out there for practice either. Uh, here's Coach McDaniels on those guys and others being out. There's a bunch of guys that weren't out there, so I, don't know, I was in the double digits, but um... – no, I don't. I haven't. I haven't seen anything. I don't think it was crazy serious. It was just kind of a bang bang play, totally clean on both sides. So not much right there when it comes to what was going on with Devontae, which is what we expected. Now the funny thing about this whole thing is to take you behind the scenes a little bit. Joshua Daniels talked to us yesterday, so all of a sudden we found out that Coach McDaniel's was going to talk today, and I looked at Vinny, I looked at Vic, I looked at Tashawn. I was like, wait. Why is he talking today? He always talks before practice. Why is he talking afterwards? So then in our mind, we're starting thinking. We're like, wait, hold on. Hunter's not here. <laughs> Chandler's not here. Well, now he's got to talk about Devontae because he just left. Like, we're in our mind, we're trying to figure out, well, why is he talking now? Right? Because he just talked yesterday. And so it's kind of weird that he talked. And so we were all anticipating. I even text Ari, and I was like, hey, man, be on alert just in case something's announced that I'm not expecting. Be ready. You know, the, the show might be a different style show today. We might have to switch a lot of things up depending on what could potentially happen because we, we just didn't know. It's really weird. I think this is the first time that Coach McDaniels has called a, a press conference or, or decided to have a, a press conference, one, after practice, and two, one that wasn't already scheduled. So, again, he, I mean, he talked yesterday, so we didn't think that we'd talk to him again until following the game on Sunday, but he did walk into the press room immediately after practice, and he did have an opening statement, so I thought, oh, here it comes, but it was about the 49ers practice. Uh, fundamental technique work, one-on-ones, competitive uh, situational work, um, you know, and do it the way we did it, you know, spirited. These are always spirited, but clean. Everybody, uh, I think, did the right things, and um, I think both teams had an opportunity to improve. So I give Kyle and John and their group uh, a ton of credit for this, and uh, we would do it again with them. So There you go. So he was just really 
thank you to the 49ers for being able to get a lot of work in, and they did. They Both teams got a lot of work in. It was pretty clean, uh, as you heard from David, just a little bit of skirmishes, just a little bit pushing back and forth, no big deal. Uh, I don't think it was anything to, to get upset about, but at the end of the day, uh, I thought they got a lot of good work in, and they will be able to see what, uh, you know, what some of these guys are going to be able to do on Sunday in preseason game number one. So uh, one of the highlights of the practice was all the interceptions. Uh, I've talked about it. Vinny talked about it. David, when he joined the show, he talked about it. Uh, he's, here's Coach McDaniels talking about the defense getting those six interceptions in joint practice today. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, um, you know, in order to get the ball, you have to uh, be connected. You have to know what your job is, and you have to – be willing to make a play when it's coming into your area. And uh, if you're not connected, then there's a lot of big holes in the defense and you don't really have chances. Um, you know, and if you are, then you can make the windows tighter and then you get tend to get more hands on the ball. And who knows what happens when you get tips and all that stuff. And I don't know how many of them were tipped or not. I don't really know. But, um, you know, I, I, I like the idea of any defense that we put out there you know, being aggressive and trying to get the football. We talked about that all off offseason, uh, seeing if we can improve ourselves in that area. I think the players have worked really hard at some of the techniques uh, that you would use, um, you know, in, in, in trying to create turnovers, and the coaches have, have identified them. So um, it's exciting for our guys when they make a play, um, and uh, hopefully we can continue to improve in that and then ultimately do them in the regular season. That's what matters at the end of the day is doing it in the regular season. But, again, these guys are looking for the ball. They're getting used to getting their hands on the ball. That's something that you have to do. You cannot all of a sudden think you're going to turn it on and start getting interceptions and turnovers and takeaways in, in, uh, in the regular season and not do anything in, in training camp or the preseason. So just with their, as a matter of fact, to want to go get these, these plays and make these plays, I think, is a big deal. So, again, well done by the defense earlier today in uh, the second second day of their joint practices with the 49ers. Again, you're listening to some uh, Coach McDaniel sound bites from earlier today as he met with us following practice. Just have a couple more for you that I want you to hear. And this one's about Damian Williams. We found out earlier this morning before practice that the Raiders uh, signed another running back. And, of course, everyone's hitting the panic button. What does this mean for J.J.? What does this mean for Josh Jacobs? Well, nothing. But here's Coach McDaniels on talking about what the significance is of bringing in Damian Williams. Yeah, we had, you know, a couple guys that got nicked a little bit. So, you know, we're just getting ready to, um, you know, go into a preseason game where there's four quarters, regardless of whether you want them or need them or, or run out of players. And so um, Damien's a guy we worked out earlier in uh, in training camp. He was in shape. He's had a productive career. He's a good, he's a good football player. He's smart. He's tough. Um, and so we were interested in him, honestly, before that. But, um, you know, when you start to get a little low at a number here and you got to play a game, and really we're going to play two in six days, you know, along with another two competitive practices. So just trying to make sure that at each spot we can, we're kind of, you know, healthy, as healthy as we can be going into, I'd say, this, this stretch, of game, stretch of days, which is going to be an important one. So there's head coach Josh Virginia right there just talking about Damian Williams and the addition of him. And, look, that's the bottom line. 
right? I mean, you have a couple running backs that you know are going to get some work. You're going to see Zamir White get some work. You're going to see Britton Brown get some work. Uh, you know, I don't think Brandon Bolden really needs to be out there getting work. Maybe Amir Abdullah gets a little bit, but even him, you don't need to see much from him. Sincere McCormick, I can see that. But if you have all these multiple games that you're going to play and you don't have your number one running back either in Josh Jacobs, you've got to have somebody get some carries. So I didn't think too much of the Damian Williams signing. I know he's a guy that's, you know, been there, done that. He was a pretty good running back at one time. He's a little bit older now, but, you know, for the most part, he'll be a guy that gets some burn in training camp as far as I'm concerned, and that's really all it's going to be. Another guy uh, that's been getting a lot of attention as of late is Nesta Jade Silvera, a guy that was a seventh-round pick uh, that we didn't know a whole lot about when the Raiders signed him but all of a, or drafted him. But now he's starting to get the last couple of days, he's been getting noticed. And today he did some nice things when it came to the one-on-one drills. Uh, really, you could tell that the dude is really, really strong. So I asked Coach McDaniels uh, what, is, what he's seeing from Nesta Jade Silvera. Yeah, he, um, you know, Nesta's a – He's a powerful guy in there, and he's done some good things. He's done some good things in training camp, you know, and um, learning. Uh, I think that's a good word right now, learning, because, um, you know, you need different techniques for different schemes and uh, based on what you see and your tips and, and those kind of things. But he's learning. He plays hard. He's physical. Um, we saw that in college. We felt like that he would do that in the NFL regardless. Um, you know, and, and trying to add to some of the things that he already naturally did well in terms of pass rush and, you know, technique and those kind of things. So young player with a long way to go, like everybody is uh, at that stage. But, um, again, out there, you know, working, getting a lot of repetitions, um, which is the way you get better. So there you go. Coach McDaniel's talking about Nesta Jade Silvera. And, again, he's not a guy that I look at and say, oh, man, this dude's going to be, you know, a guy that's going to make the 53-man roster and be a force in the middle. But – just to see that they look like they're having some depth and they have guys that they, they can work with. Is he a, a polished product? No, of course not. But just seeing his strength out there is pretty impressive. He, he's a strong, strong dude. And just seeing some of those drills, it's like those one-on-one drills are almost made for him. He goes through those, those individual drills, and that's when all of a sudden he's on display. And you're like, damn, who is that again? I got to go back to my back pocket and pull out my roster. And I'll tell you right now, I'm the worst. I have about 18 rosters. You know, I have them always folded in half. I, Ari will tell you, he's my witness, I always fold paper in half. I never have a, uh, just a, a straight piece of paper. It's always folded in half. I don't know why I do that. You're I really a don't. paper guy for sure. No, I am. I love paper. I love you some paper. Yeah, no, I do. <laughs> I, I, I print things out, right? People don't use printers that often. I print stuff out all the time. But I fold papers in half, and I write down my notes on it all the time. So I get the roster every day inside the facility, and I fold it a half immediately and put it in my back pocket. And then I have them, and I get home, and then all of a sudden I sit it on my desk, and I look, and I have like 10, 15 of these things. And then today, it was so funny, I grabbed one just because I saw it, and I grabbed it, and I put it in my pocket. I didn't even look at it. And so I just knew it was in my pocket. So immediately as I saw someone make a play, and I was like, man, who is that again? And I went to pull it out and looked at it. It was a damn Niner roster. I was like, man. How'd I do that? So luckily Cam came through like the first of the month and he was able to hook me up with a, a copy of the new one or the, you know, the Raiders roster. But I was like, man, as many rosters as I have, I have them all over the damn house and I don't even have the right one. I got the Niners roster in my pocket. So that's what I do. That's just kind of who I am. But ba- building off that Nesta Jade Silvera question, uh, Coach McDaniels has also just talked about in general the interior pass rush and how that is starting to come together. I mean, you know, it's – if 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 the middle if the middle doesn't really get any push in there, 
um, you know, and, and the tackles on, an, on another team do a good job of trying to protect the inside and force the edges to run around the, the quarterback. Then the quarterback has a chance, obviously, to step forward. So um, whether it's end, the ends ripping inside and running games or what have you, uh, or the inside guys creating disruption on their own, um, it really affects the ability of the quarterback to help the tackles. And so um, I think both teams probably did, you know, some of that in the last two days, and your quarterback feels it the most, you know, because he can't really go forward. So, um, you know, any any type of pressure to the spot, we call it, I mean, is good. Um, I didn't really, like I said, we'll, we'll see how we did on that today. And um, the quarterback always has an opportunity to help, you know, avoid some of those things. But if you get inside pressure, it's, it's, it makes it tough. So ultimately, that's what they've got to find a way to do. If, if Max is going to continue to be Max, which we believe he will, someone's going to step up on the other outside. If it's going to be Chandler or it's going to be Tyree, whatever the case may be, or somebody else, some, somewhere, somehow, there's got to be pressure from the interior, right? It's just got to happen. You've got to be able to find a way to eliminate Patrick Mahomes stepping up in the pocket. You've got to find a way to eliminate Justin Herbert stepping up in the pocket. You've got to find a way to allow Russell Wilson to escape the pocket or step up in the pocket. You want him to start rolling around, scrambling backwards, looking like, you know, he's running around crazy with his head cut off like a chicken with his head cut off because that's when mistakes happen. It's just, it's just the bottom line. So that pressure's got to be built from the interior. Someone's got to be that guy. There's no, you know, there's not a league full of Aaron Donalds, so you're not going to be that guy. But you've got to have a dude that can go out there and make plays from the interior. You know, Byron Young, he was able to do that at Alabama last year, right? Bilal Nichols. He, he did a really good job against the run, but can he do it now against the pass? You know, can, can a guy like Tyree Wilson end up being a, a guy that you see and, and say, okay, uh, he, he could be in the interior as well as the outside? I mean, who could it be? Someone's got to step up and be that dude. Not saying it's going to be Nesta J. Silvera, but somebody's got to find a way to get home and, and, and uh, like I say, cause some disruption from the interior. So that's head coach Josh McDaniels. Uh, there was a lot more of that where that came from, but uh, you can always go check it out on Raiders.com. Uh, you can feel, see the, the whole, the whole uh, press conference. I just wanted to bring a few sound bites to you. 4.45 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Ari's got reason or excuse, plus we've got a couple more texts that we'll get to as we close out the show for the day and close out the show for the weekend or for the week. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. It's time for reason or excuse on Unnecessary Roughness. All right, Q, here we go. And the theme today, because I like themes, is overreacting. Uh-oh, it could be overreacting. The theme I feel okay. like this could be the theme at any time. Football any... season is made for overreacting. Right, yeah, that's literally. Isn't that what they do on Mondays, overreaction Mondays? It's what they do Monday through Sunday, if you ask me. And that <laughs> I know that's right. Coming, I know that's coming right. Coming a little bit late into the uh, sports radio scene, that that is absolutely my that's observation. True. That's true. So let's let's go ahead and overreact. Okay. Today, my very own, <laughs> my very own coworker got me with this. So based on what McDaniel said, obviously, and various reporters such as yourself on site said, there's probably nothing to be too concerned about Devontae's injury today. So here's my hypothetical overreaction based on what a certain coworker had said, which was, if Adam is out for the season for whatever reason, doesn't matter, Jimmy, none of this other stuff matters. The season is over, no question. That's the quote. So even with this receiver core, it would be Renfro, Myers, and Bennett, and assuming that Jimmy doesn't get injured and Jacobs maybe gets a deal, we'll just say, you know, yeah. all hypothetical, before game one of the regular season, quote, there's no question that the Raiders' season is over without Devontae. Is that a reason or an excuse? No, I mean, that's a <laughs> like I understand. It's very hypothetical. 
Yeah, no, it's very hypothetical. Again, I don't think that there's anything too major as far as the injury to Devontae. I think it was more just the way he got hit and kind of sandwiched. Uh, I know that he had pointed at one point to his shin, but I think he's going to be okay. I mean, look, you could look at this a couple different ways. I mean, if he were to be out for the season, then, which, you know, again, I, I hate to even say that out loud. But, I mean, yeah, if that was the case, I mean, it, it's it makes their chances of winning a lot harder, right, because he's such an alpha. But, you know, we've seen other teams go out there and perform with guys that, you know, weren't on that level. I mean, hell, you've seen this Raiders team be able to do it. Not necessarily the same iteration of this team, but, you know, there's a time when Waller was out and Hunter Renfro became wide receiver number one and turned in a hell of a season. So, no, I would I would never say outside of the quarterback position, I would never say that a season is over uh, with one player that was out, but obviously it would make the, it'd make the sledding a lot tougher. So – I'm not going to put that into the universe and put it out there. So, right. yeah, it okay, would definitely be an excuse, yes. but it would be an understandable excuse. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Okay. I just uh, – let's. we should it be reason or overreaction. Right. <laughs> overreaction. Speaking right. of overreactions and careers that are over before they started, <laughs> C.J. Stroud threw an interception on his very <laughs> first throw of his NFL career. So, he's obviously a bust, and the Texans are going to totally suck all season long. That's uh, Twitter, basically. Right. It's a collective says that reason or excuse no that's 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 terrible overreaction and and right. you know just an excuse to being you know hitting the panic button because they they just don't know what to expect from cj stroud now the one thing i'll say bryce young cj stroud anthony mm-hmm. richardson all picked in the top five all three of them ain't gonna be good yeah. somebody's not gonna be good maybe two hell maybe all three of them aren't good but i guarantee all three ain't gonna be good right it's just the reality of it is that the numbers say it ain't going to – all of them aren't going to be good. So I'm interested to see who is and who isn't. Like Anthony Richardson's getting the start tomorrow. I'm very intrigued to see him. C.J. Stroud, he only threw four passes, passes yesterday, and one of them was interception. Fine. That's fine. You know, look, the Houston Texans, the good thing about him, they don't have high expectations this year. So he can go out there and he can do – he can have a rough first year. And who knows, he might still end up being a really good quarterback. Guys like, I don't know, Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning had really bad first years. But, you know, they were, they turned out to be okay. <laughs> I'll even so, add, hey, yeah. if, if that's going to be all in your face on Twitter and news, you know, oh, he threw his very first play, like a few months or a few several weeks from now, maybe he could kind of turn that around like, yeah, I, I know about that, so I'm going to turn it up even right. more. So. Right. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I just think it's, a, it's an excuse for fans to be uh, – to be, you know, like really concerned and panicked. No big deal. Indeed. All right. Well, what else? We'll keep some overreactions for uh, next week. Ah, I'll throw this in quickly. Uh, just Pat McAfee, he's known for his close relationship with Aaron Rodgers, as we all know. He is uh, kind of upset because Cowherd was credited with uh, breaking the story that Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets. He sent a couple texts to NFL Network, and they told him simply that there was a, quote, misunderstanding and miscommunication. Reason or excuse, and, and I think there's way more probably that he's not getting. Yeah, there's but. a there's a ton that goes into that. I don't I don't know. I'm not in the the news breaking. You know that that's not my category. It's not my lane. I leave that for the Vinnies and the Vicks and the Tashans and all. I don't I don't get into that lane. I I rather be correct than be first. So you know that's just me. I don't mind being that guy. Uh, I'm not trying to be a news breaker. Um, I don't really know what went into that. I know that was a long time ago, though, so why is he still worried about it? Exactly. And, and also, I mean, sometimes, like, I guess I'll say just read the room or read, read the industry in this case. Like, stuff like that happens a lot. Sometimes there's – and you don't know and you don't need to know. There's reasons 
You know, I mean, like, I yeah. don't have an answer, but it's just like there's more to it than just do we do this. It's it's not so black and white where they're just right, right, yeah. Must, so. um, obviously, you can't have them all. Obviously, something's going on, so that's probably just an excuse, the miscommunication thing. But again, it was a long time ago, so there's that. So that's all we got time for. We'll see you on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium at the Torch for the pregame show starting at 11. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.